We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast, the preview show for Thursday, December 29th, week 17. A lot of fantasy championships going on this weekend, the all-important week of the season. So Mario and I, John McKechnie, are going to dig into every single game, bringing up the fantasy analysis, must-starts, must-sits, all that good stuff from every single game. Let's get it rolling. Welcome on in. This is the Roadwire Fantasy Football Podcast. John McKechnie here hanging out with Mario Puig. This podcast presented by our friends over at No House Advantage. Use that promo code WIRE over at NoHouseAdvantage.com. Mario, it's week 17. Are you still alive in any of your best ball tournaments? No. Fair enough. I uh, I think I got wiped out this past week. I had a couple lively ones over on DraftKings. I had a couple of like really belligerent dolphin stacks that that got me to this point so i'm thankful for them but uh oh boy it uh you know it it petered out uh in spectacular fashion these last couple of weeks yeah uh i guess like most years you needed some weird set of players to advance you know this far and certainly beyond whatever the the uh, championship round was so uh yeah it's hard to uh it's funny to think back on all the stuff that People would say about like you know, you're gonna want like week uh what do we got is do we have like cheat uh we had we had the Chargers Rams or something like that and it was like you got you want to have these guys and it's like um in a way it's kind of true with with like you know Acres of all people putting up some of the biggest numbers the last two weeks after uh, seemingly killing so many teams with the prior like ten weeks um, but yeah it's like every year the uh, the week 17 is like, uh, you know, Rashad Penny after everyone had written him off for some other running back that you, there's no way you could have even, uh, you know, you, you couldn't have foreseen any of it. And it's it's also difficult to get to that point in the season anyway with the player in question. So, yeah, it's, it's pretty wild uh, playoff situation as always. Yeah, it's it's been totally crazy in, in that regard. Um, so. I think I'm I'm alive for for one regular season long championship. Had the famous uh, you know lose by a point in the semifinals in, in one spot. Um, needed needed just a little bit more for, from Saquon Barkley in that one, but otherwise uh, something of a 
of a forgettable year uh, for for my season long teams. But alas, our good our good viewers and listeners they're still alive, so we got to keep it rolling. So let's fire things up. We're not going to spend a ton of time on this game, folks, because it's Cowboys Titans and uh, the Titans. They don't really have anybody that's playing in this game. That's uh, they have Kevin uh, Byard. You got Derrick Henry with the hip. That's brutal. They they are. Uh, it's believed that they are going to be sitting. Uh, John, Malik I can Rose. rattle. I, I had to write the the preview for this game, so I can, I can probably rattle it off pretty good. Uh, yeah, we're, uh, Derek Henry, Ryan Tannehill, Jeff Simmons, uh, Amani Hooker, uh, some uh, like a Justin Thompson, maybe a safety who I am I'm not familiar with yet. Uh, Zach Cunningham, Danico Autry. Uh, Maybe some linemen uh, that I can't remember. Uh, I feel like I feel like a couple of the offensive linemen might be back. To be fair, uh, I think they were down like three or four of them last week. But yeah, uh, the, basically the whole front. Oh, Bud Dupree's out. The whole front seven is basically not playing for Tennessee, and then uh, Christian Fulton's also out again at corner. Seems less than ideal uh, if you're the Titans. I uh, don't love that. Um, do you think that? Uh, I was going to say, sorry, real quick, Simmons being out is the tell, the real tell there, because he had been playing on like one and a half knees for a month. And then all of a sudden now they're just like, oh, no, like we can't let him play just now. Like unless there was a real setback, they're clearly going like, all right, whatever. We got we got week 18 against Jacksonville for the division. We are we do not care about this week. And yeah, and they really don't. And uh, we get fed that on, on national TV this evening. So uh, for for you just general football fans out there, maybe catch a bowl game instead. That uh, Valero Alamo Bowl always delivers. Always one of my absolute favorite bowls. So check in on that instead. Washington versus Texas. Horns down. Should be fun. Um, but anything beyond that for, for fantasy purposes, we do have a question in the chat from our guy Isaac uh, wondering if Haskins is viable now with, with, um, with Derrick Henry being sidelined. I don't think so. And sorry, what were the other two options there? Oh yes, uh, I got you. Um, so we got Chuba. Did I assume James Cook? Because yeah. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I'm. I'm not starting Haskins over either of those guys. Uh, Haskins, I'm worried is going to finish with like, I don't know, eight carries for like 25 yards, and we don't even know if he's going to play more or that much more than Julius Chestnut. So, yeah. Yeah, hard to yeah. use Haskins in my in my opinion. Okay, all right. So that that that's the way to go. Yeah, Chuba and, and Cook seem to be better and better uh, set up for for this week, definitely. Um, so yeah, even with Haskins projecting for more playing time than what we've seen, still gonna gonna leave that one alone. Uh, Carlos wants to know uh, Minshew or Mike White this week. Yeah, sorry about Tua. Um, let's see. Uh, so what? White's out in Seattle, and the Eagles have the Saints at home. Yeah, I think uh, you said that's in Seattle, right? Yeah, I think I, I would go with Minshew, and I, I think Minshew's fine. I, I, think I was trying to figure out. Sometimes I really like Mike White more than I should, and, and this isn't quite good enough of a matchup, so Minshew. Okay, Minshew it is. The mustache carries on um all right so yes and, and resetting quickly that that line uh it was like 10 and a half points earlier this week before the the kind of 
giant well, injury list. Open that eight and a half up to t- now. Yeah. Oh my god. So jump uh, like another point in the past like forty five minutes. Um, yeah. that must be the Dobbs news. Anyway, Dobbs is only like five thousand on DraftKings, so it's pretty tough to fade him there if you're playing uh, the single game slate. Uh, Tony Pollard being out makes both Zeke and Malik Davis kind of tough to stay away from too. Uh, yeah, on the Tennessee side, there might not be anyone other than uh, Dobbs though. I don't know because he's not throwing to anybody. And or, you know, not well anyway. And uh, even like Chi Akonkwo, uh, like you'd like to use him, but they're making him split playing time with uh, Jeff Swaim and Austin Hooper. So, just seems like nothing can grow in this Tennessee offense. Yeah, the the soil it is rotten, barren, salted, even. So, not looking great there. Um, let's head on over to Sunday. We got a couple more questions uh, in the chat before we get onto it. Uh, Dotson or DJ Chark this week? Oh, man. I know Dotson's been doing a good job. Um, it stinks uh, that they're going to go to Carson Wentz, though. Yeah, I don't like that. Uh, oh, wait, okay. So, yeah, in Detroit, Chark. Okay, Chark it is. Chark it is. Uh, unforced error, I feel like, from Washington to to move off of Ty- Taylor Heineke. I don't think that he they're was so the problem. Stupid. I love it. They do, they deserve it. They, they, they're doing to themselves, which, you know, they, they, they might have otherwise gotten away with. And I, I like that. They have the grace to say like, no, we sh- we, we need to atone. We're going with Wentz. Yep. <laughs> we're going to lash ourselves. Self flensing, uh, Washington. Uh, it's funny. Um, let's see here. Uh, Hunter, Got a couple here. Uh, Fields versus Detroit or Josh Allen versus Cincy? I don't think you can bench Josh Allen. Yeah. I, yeah, you'd feel Unless you're in an silly. insane uh, like kind of league where there's like a, like really crippling penalties for uh, interceptions or something. I don't know. Um, or, or fumbles that don't even get lost. Uh, yeah. Fumbles that don't get lost. He's like QB 12 or something. Um <laughs> Yeah, uh, Dotson versus Cleveland. I go with Christian Watson there. I mean, not to say Dotson's not a good choice either. I mean, he's, he's a really good player, but like John said, uh, Carson Wentz is bad vibes. Those Cleveland corners do match a guy like Dotson pretty well, or at least Ward and Newsom do. So uh, Watson, meanwhile, there, there's no corners with Minnesota that can run very well at all. Yeah, so uh, where sorry, we... Sorry, I guess we're... I should have checked. Is his hip thing fine? Um, um, as far he as he didn't I come know. back to the game, uh, yeah. So crap. If Watson practices like uh, ideally today, I guess I can't assume he's in. Uh, if he's out, Dotson obviously. Right. Yeah. So just keep an eye on the on that injury situation. But you know, Watson famously in that first game gets wide open, drops a touchdown. I think he's developed a lot over the course of this year. He gets open again, does not drop that pass, and, and we're looking at a huge splash play from him um let's get one more here uh carlos also wants to know he's someone who lost tony pollard uh for for this matchup here on thursday so down to mckinnon pacheco uh devin singletary james cook or zonovan knight uh at running back so a couple of backfield stacks he's got going on yeah, for me, it's one of the Chiefs. I'd go Pacheco. I mean, that's been wrong the past few weeks. I, I feel like McKinnon's, as any time that he has any productivity, it's just basically luck. I think he's used it up. I mean, we we had about 400 snaps from scrimmage going back to last year. Before his most recent, like, 50 or 70 snaps, McKinnon on the prior, about 400 snaps. 
was averaging about a yard per snap. And for hundreds of snaps in a sample at a time, he'd be under a yard per snap. So he he needs things to be very uh, ideal for him. And I, whereas I think Pacheco, uh, not as many passing opportunities, obviously not nearly as many as McKinnon, but I don't know if the Chiefs are going to need to throw much in this. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that they will either. They're t- like two touchdown favorites, uh, I believe, in that one going up against the Broncos. Yet uh, we're looking at 12 and a half, so not, not and quite. And if the Broncos, if they defend McKinnon, he's not doing anything. He specifically needs the defense to leave him alone at all times. And it's, uh, I don't know, I don't think it's going to keep happening, especially after he's had a couple big plays the past few weeks. Yeah, yeah, you can't ignore him at, at this point. And like you said, that's kind of uh, what he needs. All right, let's get on over to Sunday. Uh, so we got the Falcons hosting the Cardinals. Luckily, we we don't have to see Trace McSorley again. He can't hurt you anymore. Um, this is so bad. Yeah, what, what's going on there? Um, I don't know. Uh, I, so I, the other thing is, I don't even know what Trace McSorley looks like that well. So it, I, I I'm not even. I, I should look him up because there's there's probably like the disparity, uh, you know, that kind of novelty. Like they probably don't look very similar. But uh, if they did look similar, that'd be funny, too, because his dad looks like some kind of, um, I don't know, he almost looked like he was from, like, a one of those video games that, that were, like, from the, the turn of the century, where at the time we thought, like, look at these great 3D graphics, but now if you look, it's like, this guy's, this guy's head is uh, all wrong. Yeah, the, the chin is, like, still loading on one side. Yeah, and, and the the cranium's just incorrectly shaped, and uh, that's is is that I don't even know what, is it, what the there's probably some kind of word. To just, he looks almost like a cyborg or something. Very weird image. Uh, it's too bad that that Trace was not a uh, you know as much of a cyborg, uh, immortal clearly. And uh, I think uh, I don't know. This game is pretty bleak to think about. I I think Desmond Ritter. It's obviously been bad with him, but I think it's also been such a rotten situation around him that I, I can't really, uh, I can't, I can't write him off over it. I, I think it's, it's a, uh, it's not good certainly, but it, it's also hard to criticize him too much because you can't imagine many quarterbacks doing well in this offense. Um, with that said, the problem is going to keep, keep on because, uh, I think Vance Joseph, in my opinion, is a really good defensive coordinator. I know that the Cardinals' defense has kind of had uh, up and down season at best this year, but Vance Joseph has done a good job, I think, considering the circumstances of um, the, the coaches, the, the front office of Arizona, otherwise undermining him. And against a rookie quarterback, I, I just I'm definitely going with the, the Joseph side of it. Uh, with that said, Drake London, you know, he, he part of the problem for Ritter is that London is the only viable pass catcher right now but London really quietly doing a great job I, I know he's doing a little bit making a little bit more noise lately but um all year his peripheral stats were really encouraging like you look at his uh per snap per target kind of numbers and when you adjust for how the Atlanta offense overall was producing his numbers were always really encouraging and uh yeah he's he's not even going to be 22 until like late July or something like that so Drake London is already he's way better than he has any business being at this point. And it's, it's going to be pretty, it's going to be interesting to see, see just how good he becomes because he looks like he's a, pretty close to being a monster already. Yeah. I was 
you know, obviously watched uh, the entire Falcons game uh, this past weekend against the Ravens. He looked really impressive there. Seven catches on nine targets for 96 yards, really like the only thing that was working for them through the air. So I imagine that they'll, they'll test that out plenty. I think it, it makes sense for, from your side with, with, with the Cardinals getting Colt McCoy back and, and having a defense that could, uh, you know, screw things up for Ritter um, to take the road underdogs. I'm siding with the Falcons. I think that they, they can get enough going on the ground to, to sustain some drives and uh, end up winning that one by more than a field goal. I don't feel great about it though. Um, I guess but. they're also uh, the, the, the Cardinals being in a complete collapse as an organization is another thing to maybe keep in mind. I, I don't know how that factors in, but it can't help. Yeah. Sunday night when they didn't score on their first drive in overtime, I was like, all right, I'm going to bed. I've seen this movie way too many times cliff going to the media anonymously to be like kyler's oh his vibes are so bad you don't understand he's 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 being all uh, he's being all cold to me and then it and then i is that why you have your receivers lined up at the same spot every single play for years is that because kyler murray's bumming you out and you forget to do your homework for years at a time i don't get it um lame stuff i I was starting to feel bad for cliff too because he looks so freaking tired and like exhausted and uh depressed on the sideline but now it's like man maybe you just kind of deserve it you gotta <laughs> behave this way yeah it's it's yeah tough tough scene out there in arizona to for sure um before we get on over to our next game i uh, got a message from our friends over at no house advantage no house advantage is changing the game by offering the most dynamic fantasy sports platform available today playing pick and contest versus other people for the shot at winning big cash prizes Download the app, choose a contest, select your player props, earn points for correct picks, and climb the leaderboard for your shot at hundreds of thousands of dollars every week. You can also test your skills versus the house and 20x your entry if you hit all your picks. Bet on up to five player prop over-unders or individual player matchups across every major sports league, including NFL, NBA, MLB, PGA, MMA, and NASCAR. Sign up with promo code NHAWIRE. That's N-H-A-W-I-R-E at nohouseadvantage.com or download the app on the app stores to get your first deposit match up to $25. Make sure to check out No House Advantage today and experience daily fantasy sports redefined because it's not just how you play, but also where you play. You don't want to miss out on this. All right, Mario, next up, we've got the Bears and the Lions in Detroit. Lions, six-point favorites in this one. The Lions, uh, just when I was ready to start trusting them again, they lay the egg uh, against Carolina. And in the weirdest way, too, in a, a game where they score a lot of points and move the ball a lot, but somehow give up almost 40 to a team that ran the ball like 35 times. Yeah, that just a, a strange, strange outcome from, from that game. I mean, Carolina, like, they, outside of the Pittsburgh game, like, they've been playing better lately. Like, definitely not pathetic the way that they were earlier in the season, but that was still surprising for a Lions team. Uh, you know, with, with a little bit of stuff in front of them to to you know kind of overlook that one or not not really come to play uh, in, in that matchup, that was uh, strange. So you know, how does that or how do you square that with with this matchup going against a divisional opponent who you know I, I think we figure is going to be giving up a lot of points with with how the Bears defense is playing right now. I would kind of worry about uh, the Chicago run game, I guess, but start. Uh, some of like a, a game like that last week with the Lions and Carolina, I almost wonder if it was just kind of a meaningless kind of 
you know, sleepwalking outcome or something. Like maybe, maybe if they played Carolina again, they'd match up much better because it, it is hard to think about why that matchup should have been so particularly bad for the Lions defense. And I didn't, I didn't think the Lions defense was good against the run. If anything, I would have said, you know, they're probably still one of the worst, but uh, Carolina had their best game all year against them. So I don't know. It's, it's a, it's uh, not a good sign, but it also might be one of those things where it's uh, you can't really factor it in too much into your your future uh, calculations beyond the general observation that like yeah they're not a good run defense which uh, I thought we already knew so you'd expect them to kind of be vulnerable to, to the Chicago the Chicago ground game but um, I guess in this case because it's in Detroit. And, and this is also a little bit weird about last week because Goff actually put up numbers on the road in less than good weather somehow, uh, which is normally the problem. It's normally that reason that they lose. So I guess just because Goff does better at home doesn't mean they should therefore win. But um, I, I guess I'm expecting the run defense to kind of just regress toward the, their own mean. You know, maybe last week was just the worst it can get. and Maybe as long as they're just slightly better than that, uh, you know, the home Jared Goff offense can put enough points to win the game. But, yeah, it could be another shootout because Detroit's defense is still bad. Yes. Um, so, you know, we we have a very high total in this one. It might be the highest of the week, 52 and a half. Um, last time out, the, the, these two, two teams matched up. That was kind of in the midst of Justin Fields' breakout earlier in the season where, you know, he throws for a couple of touchdowns in that one and also ran for 147 and two scores against Detroit um, back in week 10. So, I mean, what what can the Lions realistically do to kind of avoid a repeat performance as far as, you know, fields, especially tearing them up on the ground? Uh, they got a problem there. I don't know. I mean, they, uh, they, they need better players if they can see to that uh, well at this point in the season. So um, we'll see. I mean, uh, it seems like the Bears' offensive line, if anything, is is getting a little healthier, and I don't know why they would fail so much here. It seems it seems like Detroit's run defense is just kind of soft, so um, it would it would be disappointing if the Bears couldn't run for anything here, and if the Lions do sell out against the run that much, um, I mean, I just I don't think they can do it. I don't I don't think they can. If they, it's like to 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 truly shut down like Montgomery, Herbert, whatever the Lions would have to be crashing the line of scrimmage so hard that they'd have only one a one-man line of defense if Fields got outside of containment. So it'd be way too easy to give up another like 80-yard touchdown to Fields if they play it that way. Yeah. Which they so, might do, but that's going to be the result if they do. No, yeah. I think you have that dialed up correctly. I think with that in mind, I might take the points in this one, go, go with the Bears uh, plus six, six and a half if you can find it. A um, couple of questions here. Uh, Marcos wants to know uh, Kenneth Walker or Jarek McKinnon in a half point PPR. Um, let me see. Uh, the, the Hopkins part is honestly kind of tough to skip for me. Uh, but yeah, between Walker and, and McKinnon, I, I definitely prefer Walker. There's, uh, it's a tough matchup with the Jets, but I, I just don't know how much pass catching work McKinnon's going to get in a game where uh, the Chiefs aren't going to really need to, to throw all that much. I would, I would probably go with Hopkins there. Okay, yes, and, and that, that's host error on, on my part. I skipped him at, off the jump, but yeah, I, w- I would go Hopkins as well in that setup. 
And then what do you do with Devontae Adams this week? <laughs> um, well, you, you can't sit him for just anybody uh, if, if you got a really good alternative. That's, that is a tough call, but Devontae Adams, no matter who the quarterback is, is probably going to claim something like at least one-third of the targets and maybe maybe even more than that. So Jared Stidham would have to throw for something like 150 or less yards for me to really get concerned for Devontae Adams. It's more like I'm just kind of irritated that he's – you know, his ceiling has been clipped a little. And the floor, of course, has, been, has also lowered. But uh, with target rates like he's still likely to have, it, it would take a, a, like a heroically bad showing from Stidham to really cross him off. Remember when people thought Stidham was good? Uh, John, I believe the last time either of us thought that a remote possibility was when he made like his first start at Baylor. Yep. And then, uh, by his second season there, we were like, Oh no, that, I don't know what that hype was about. Uh, but yeah, it was funny watching the, the new England area media a couple of years ago compete to, to sound the most, uh, impressed by him, uh, just cause they kind of got the, they got the, that sense that the beat was headed that way. It's like, you gotta, you gotta get the the Stidham hype to get the clicks and now like they all are just like I don't know who he is I've yeah never heard of that guy I've never who who see yeah um, no one wants no one wants to own that one but it was it was trendy at the one recent point Bill's a genius uh, you don't want to you don't want to doubt him now would you quarterback whisperer um, right after uh, they took Kevin O'Connell too <laughs> so uh, oh old Jer- Jared Stidham wow. Um, did uh, crush the Georgia Bulldogs one year in 2017, but then Georgia got him back in the SEC championship game. That's that's really uh, the the end of it for for Stidham. Um, all right, so we we've knocked out Bears Lions. Let's hit Jags Texans. You know, a couple of a couple of teams that I think arguably playing the, the best ball in that division right now. Obviously, the Jaguars are, but Houston, a plucky bunch. Yeah, it's tough to say Lovey Smith is doing a good job exactly. He's he's getting them to show up. Uh, he's also alienating players, some select players. Uh, it's it's tough for me to tell what's going on, where that's all headed, whatever. Um, but they, I think, are a team that no matter how much they play over your expectations for them, it's probably best to keep writing them off and uh, just just assume that uh, however, you'd like to see it. They got very lucky. You, as a uh, you know uh, predictor, were unlucky. Uh, they still suck. They're still as bad as you thought they were. But it's um, you know it's it's basically time for luck to run out. I, I have no doubt that they'll play hard here. I mean, a di- divisional matchup. It's pretty rare that either either team, no matter how bad either is, shows up completely flat. But um, Trevor Lawrence is just playing at a legitimately great level right now like the kind of thing that if if people really stopped and thought about it I think they'd be shocked at how high they'd have to rank him as far as quarterback play in the past like six weeks you don't want to say something like this because it's so easy to get taken out of context later and make you look stupid but it wouldn't be inaccurate to say something like Trevor Lawrence is playing better quarterback the past month and a half than anyone other than Pat Mahomes or something like that and that would you know that's even if even if you just say it's like very qualified statement like that you're, you're gonna get like angry you know death threats and everything like that uh but it's it's true trevor lawrence is playing out of his mind right now and anytime a quarterback is even half as good as he's been playing 
the other team needs to have an above average quarterback to have in in most cases any shot of competing. So uh yeah, I think I think I think this could be a quick, you know, I, th- I think this could be a blowout. Is there any risk of Jacksonville saving some players uh for for week 18 in this one? Oh, I guess that's a fair point. Yeah, I don't know what uh they have to consider there. I mean, looking at uh I do know there was that one Doug Peterson quote about how he was he was saying like he basically doesn't believe in benching or uh, uh, resting players, so we can take him at his word. I guess uh, I would I would almost sooner be worried about him maybe holding back in the playbook. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's why I should I should assume Houston covers or something because uh, Doug has definitely cooked up some special plays the past uh, during this this hot streak of Lawrence's so. If if he decides to not use any of his tricks in this game, maybe Lawrence's numbers suffer accordingly. It would make sense because it is all on you know that week eighteen game, I guess. Right. It, so I mean, just throwing it out there, I, I picked the the Texans in in my column, but you know it it could obviously look very stupid. That that's kind of the the Dow of Houston, uh, one, one way or the other. When whenever you have to to make a pick on their game, either way, you kind of end up looking like a moron. Um, but uh, just kind of zooming out a little bit, what do we do with Zay Jones next year for draft purposes? I suspect he'll be overdrafted. Uh, we got to see what happens with Evan Ingram. He's only playing on a one-year deal. But the Jaguars, Trent Balky stood by Marvin Jones this year, presumably just out of uh, you know arrogance, hubris, whatever, because uh, he didn't want to admit that it was a stupid signing the year before, which it was. Uh, imagine how how nuts Trevor Lawrence would have been going the past six weeks with DJ Chark running in that spot instead of Marvin Jones. It's like even even with Jared Goof, Chark's putting up numbers lately. Like imagine with, with one of the top quarterbacks. Uh, but yeah, Trent Trent um, saw to it that it was instead Marvin Jones running those routes. And so when Zay Jones is getting these targets and you know he's doing a good enough job or whatever, but he's only been and only recently has he been a baseline level producer, like before he was a drain on the offense until he had the, this insane three games or whatever, his, his usage was actually a drain on the offense. And one of the reasons why it was disappointing. So those, that, that, that stretch of struggles, I think is meaningful. I think it's like Trevor Lawrence would have done better earlier in this year. If there was a better player than Zay Jones running those routes. And uh, with, with uh, Calvin Ridley stepping in for the Marvin Jones routes instead, then Zay Jones is not getting nearly as many targets per snap and the targets per snap that, that he's, or the targets that he is getting, he's likely to be returning below whatever baseline is established by Ridley Kirk, uh, maybe Engram, maybe some other tight end. I don't know. So uh, I think Zay Jones is probably going to be overdrafted um, in best ball. There's probably a better justification just because especially if Trevor Lawrence keeps playing like this, Jacksonville stacks will probably make plenty of sense. And it, you know, he's going to have some big week in whatever week Ridley and Kirk both fall off because Lawrence at that point is not going to have many bad games anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's like just by default, someone else, him would have to get something every so often. But uh, yeah, he's not good. He's, he's, he, he, he should be their third receiver. Uh, he's currently functioning as their second and obviously he will get demoted next year. Yeah, that, that's a good point on, on Ridley as well, joining the, this offense. But, you know, it, it's I think, you know, the people that that 
bought in and, and scooped Zay Jones this year. Like they're obviously going to be so, you know, they've been, they've been rewarded so handsomely. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see. It was a really we'll, good pick in the last round. Even, I mean, even if he didn't have any of these touchdowns he's had lately, he was already like a good last round pick. So uh, yeah, he's, he's definitely paid off for the people who got him. Yeah, no question. He's on a three-year deal worth 24 mil. So, uh, you know, should have some sort of role. But again, you know, you, you bring it, you really drop the bag on on Christian Kirk and you bring in Calvin Ridley, you know, that that's going to eat up, you know, close to half the targets right there probably. I so. think you'll see some arguments that like Zay Jones is better than Kirk too. And that's really stupid. Uh, the, yeah, don't that, go believing those people. You're going to see them. They, they're they out there. They exist. And that. If nothing else, they'll be loud. Um, that, that that much uh, we can be certain. Uh, quickly, before we get on to our next game, uh, we got a message from our friends over at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we're on to Chiefs, Broncos. We did it, Mario. We got Nathaniel Hackett fired. <laughs> we were trying specifically to get him fired. That's all that this podcast was really about. Uh, this yes. final episode. Um, no, I, 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 I believe it or not, did not even truly want Nate Hackett fired. I just, I wanted uh, I wanted him to put his best players on the field and not sabotage uh, Albert Quagmanum's career. Uh, just because he, he or George Patton, I don't know, both maybe, I don't care. The, if, if Even if it was George Patton making you play, uh, making making you rig the offense so that Albert Equigwinem would not be eligible for playing time, 
Hackett needs to stand up to that. Uh, they didn't. And uh, yeah, it's, it's one of the most egregious, uh, the most malicious ca- uh, cases of coach player interaction I've ever seen. And um, I'm, I know he's just a dumb guy who doesn't, he doesn't have any actual thoughts. I mean, he goes through life just seeing shapes and colors and, and making sounds and motions in response to them. So I'm not like saying he's, he's as culpable as someone who knows, you know, acutely what the effects of their actions are. Uh, but it was, it was really bad. And it was, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, he deserved to get fired. He deserved to get fired, uh, you know, in week two or something. Uh, it's funny that the, the, all this time I was saying like, they should have been hiring that defensive coordinator. Apparently they were trying to, and he kept saying no. Yeah. So that's why they had to make the, the interim head coach, uh, the, the, the clock holder guy or whatever his job is. Um, Just so, like a uh, Walmart greeting person. Cause it, I think that's the ownership now. Uh, yeah. It was like, they just made the, like the valet guy, the coach or something. It's just like, who's, who's here even, who do we have? Um, yeah. Clock guy. You're, you're the player in charge now. Um, anyway. Yeah. I, 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 on the one hand, it's like, sometimes you see, uh, when, when really disrespected, really unliked coaches get fired. Sometimes you see the team play hard for the interim in the next game. But, um, I just, I still don't know this guy's name. Was he ever a former coach? Like, it sounds like they're just, they're like being told like this emergency manager has showed up and you got to listen to him. And that's not really a good, that traditionally does not go over. It's almost like a colonial sort of way of managing a team or something. Um, so it, it's almost, um, correct me if I'm wrong, if, it, if I'm citing the, the right movie, I'm pretty sure it's from Waterboy where it's like the Waterboy is causing a sensation across college football. And like, you know, this other school is trying out their, their towel boy to, to, you know, play running back or something. Um, that's what like the Broncos looking at, at, what Indianapolis has done with Jeff Saturday. <laughs> so well. <laughs> yeah. We can hire a random guy too. Yeah. If Indianapolis had peeled off the equivalent of 27 sacks or whatever Bobby Boucher had in those six games, uh, I would get it. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it is, it, it, it's almost just like, it's, it's just like absent management style. It's like some absent manager, just delegating, like put, put some person in charge, you know, just whip them into shape. I don't want to know about this. This isn't worth my time. Um, fix it. You know, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm going on vacation. Like that's the kind of management that the, that the Broncos have. And it's really funny that that uh, dumb rich guy who's running the team is going to ruin it even further. Well, I guess he can't make it that much worse. Um, but whenever they're they're whenever the, the held, sentence was supposed to end with a Russell Wilson contract. They won't get any better then either because of that guy who's like, we're going to have the head coach report to me. Like, yeah. What are you going to talk about? What are you, what are you going to talk about football wise? It's just, it's ridiculous. Um, it's a rotten organization. And uh, I guess I'd be surprised if they played hard for this guy. It's not a Steve Wilkes situation, you know? Yeah, no, I'm, I'm not seeing a dead cat bounce here. And I think a lot of people in the, in the gambling community will, will kind of note that, you know, the Chiefs, there's no team that has like a larger sample of times in which they've been favored by double digits over the, over these last few years. And a lot of times they don't cover them. But last week I thought was, it was an easy one. I I guess that was closer to nine, maybe it got to 10 uh, by kick, but I think, you know, even with this being 13 and a half, I think the Chiefs just smoke them. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll take the Chiefs just to cover. Yeah. It's, it's going to be, uh, just whatever sad excuse for a 
three hours of football from we from might Denver. see a team walk out uh it, them and the raiders they're both just gonna like walk out on their the, coaches this week a collective Vontae davis uh, um, it wouldn't wouldn't shock me honestly um speaking of this game uh v- viewer wants to know um do you trust juju's ceiling for this week uh no but you know mahomes doesn't even in the games where the chiefs uh, blow out the opponent Mahomes doesn't often, you know, finish south of like 250 yards or something. So it can be a blowout. It can like Juju could sit out the second half and still get something like six targets for, you know, 75, 80 yards. A touchdown or two is always on the table with Mahomes. So uh, I I think um, you roll with juju as you normally would because it's just it's get basically getting like too cute to try to guess when they're gonna pull a player like Mahomes and especially to guess like how much he'll get done by that point because it's often just more than you think yeah no but well said so uh, I, I'd be in on starting juju where I have him this week um let's get on over to Foxborough where the New England Patriots will be playing host to the Miami Dolphins uh, Mac Jones will try to trip the entire 53. <laughs> no, he's going to try to take someone out with his ice skate. So but we're just... staying in the happy Madison universe today. Oh, okay. Well, I was, I was going to say Mac, jo- maybe a bit where Mac Jones does uh, John wick, but it's just tripping people instead of <laughs> stabbing them. He and... somehow has to like reload his shoe so he could trip more. <laughs> yeah, he, like, he grabs another guy's shoe, rips it off and <laughs> trips a guy with that one. Yes. Head snaps off um yeah anyway uh good luck mac i i think it's a it's a it's an admirable mission you have to try to trip the entire nfl um or, or go do other things like diving at their knees whatever it is uh, the grace and allen comp is too beautiful it's too perfect like uh, I, <laughs> I didn't think that we'd see like an unhinged weirdo like high level athlete like grace and allen again can you just so easily imagine uh, Mac Jones like smashing his tennis racket on the ground or something yes. at, a, at a country club? Uh, do they have tennis? Do they have tennis at country club? I don't know. Yes. I don't know how these things work. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I just, I just imagine him like screaming at maids. All of these things are just like I, I don't know how you don't get those visions in your head when you see the way that he does cheap shots in football. It's uh, it's so like powerfully lame and uh, and then it's and then you have to and then you have to ch- make room in the head cannon for uh the high ankle sprain photo which is the f- it should be like the time like he should be like the person of the year for that photo and the photo should be on the time person of the year announcement we we need to we one of our more photoshop centric viewers or listeners are going to need to whip up that that photoshop for us we we need the time magazine person oh of the you year know what no one's done time. yet that you could do you could, if someone's good at Photoshop, they could Photoshop black metal face paint on his face. You've seen like the meme about the band Immortal where they're standing around with their spikes and making ridiculous faces. He's making the same face as them. He just doesn't have the face paint. He's, he, so you could put that on him and then put him on like a black album, a black metal album cover of, of like Immortal. Okay, that's that's even higher level. So I, I love where your head's at. This can go. It's, I know it's niche, but we can get five figure retweets on it. Okay. All right. I'm, I'm all in for that. We, we love the engagement. Um, but going beyond that, when it comes to this game, Patriots obviously favored in this one. We, we've, we've seen Tua be absent uh, before, looking like he's not going to be playing, which, you know, that, that 
explains the spread, of course, in this one. Can the Dolphins kind of salvage things this week, even on the road here? Uh, I don't know. It's 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 a lot going wrong, and um, I I feel bad for uh, Mike McDaniel, I guess, but I, I just don't know what he can do here. And and in a way, they kind of got they did better this year than they had any business doing kind of in a way. So still a productive season, but yeah, I feel like they're going to just kind of miss the playoffs now, which is uh, certainly a bummer for, for how, you know, if they had just, if Tua hadn't gotten concussed, they'd, they'd already, they'd still look pretty likely for the playoffs, but now it's like a pretty, you know, they could, they could easily miss it. It just wouldn't be surprising by now. Right. So it's, yeah, it's a, it's a bad spot for them. Um, you're still starting Waddle and, and Tyreek, though. Yeah, yeah, especially, t- yeah, both of them, I guess. But uh, what's, I guess I'm wondering, did, uh, let's see, so Stevenson, I'm trying to, what I'm trying to figure out is whether I expect Miami to score, or sorry, uh, New England to score any points either. And I, I'm thinking this could just be like a game where no one does all that much. Uh, in which case, I think I still actually, um, as long as Teddy Bridgewater doesn't turn it over really bad, I think I actually kind of like Miami's chances of, of maybe getting the win just because I, don't know, I, I like McDaniel as a play caller on offense a lot more than Patricia or whoever's in charge of the Patriots. And if the Patriots offense can't move the ball on their side, then it doesn't matter that the Patriots defense is better than the Dolphins, you know? So uh, I don't know. It's coin flip for me, I guess. I don't want to bet on it or anything. I, I expect it to be pretty ugly, whatever way it goes. It'll take, it'll take like multiple uh, in your own territory type turnovers to get points in this game. I feel like. Yeah. We're, we're looking at a, at a total of 41 and that even feels a little bit high to me. Yeah. So I can imagine uh, unless Mac Jones plays well in this one, I, I feel like it's just going to be like run game versus run game. And fair enough. If, if, you know, he'd still pick the New England side. Uh, Stevenson's obviously doing a good job. The Patriots defense can be pretty disruptive at, at times. Uh, but I feel like it could also come down to kind of like scheme execution. And I definitely prefer McDaniel there. Yeah, they, they do have an edge in that sense. So maybe I, maybe I will end up taking the, the Dolphins and the points. I don't want to pick, though. I would, I'd rather just pretend I don't know this game is happening. <laughs> um, let's see. So we, we have... A viewer uh, missing Jonathan Taylor, of course, and now Derek Henry. Um, so a mixture of uh, Zach Moss, Zonovan Knight, Chuba Hubbard, uh, Harris, and Haskins. Uh, which two w- from that group would you play? Um, let's see. It, it was Moss, Hubbard, and what were the other ones? Sorry. Um, so I, I'm guessing Najee Harris. Or, or oh, Najee Harris. Um, Najee Haskins. Sorry, who who does Pittsburgh have again? They, they they're in Baltimore Sunday night. I think I would go. Uh, sorry, this is, this is a tough one. It's it's hard for me to leave Najee on the bench, and and I, I'm I'm leaning like Moss and Najee, but I'm trying to think if I'm writing off Chuba too early. But I think I would go Moss and Najee. Okay, I would go. I would go Chuba and and Najee. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm getting visions of like D'Angelo Williams and Jonathan Stewart from from the, the this <laughs> this young this young group yeah. of Carolina runners that that like 
was like 2008 season or whatever when Carolina was just running all over everybody. That was a fun team. It's almost um, uh, it's actually it's actually it's almost like that Auburn uh, backfield with Carnell Williams, Brandon Jacobs, and Ronnie Brown. That's how good I think this Carolina backfield is going to be. Iconic, legendary. You can you know Arkan the Arkansas one with McFadden and Jones and and uh, Peyton Hillis or whatever. Fullback. Yeah. List goes on. Um, anyway, we'll save the rest of that for for the naming some guys. guys uh, Patreon pod. Um, let's hit Giants. Colts, Giants, five and a half point favorites at home against Indianapolis. What are we looking at here? Um, well, it looks like a Dory Jackson might be back for the Giants, but I don't think that matters because uh, the Colts just call their entire scheme to try to juice Michael Pittman's numbers, and Michael Pittman doesn't separate anyway. So uh, Jackson being so much smaller than him means this is actually a, a pretty good matchup for, for Pittman, I think. And uh, otherwise, uh, you should be able to run on the Giants. It's not a given that the Colts can. The Giants can probably sell out against the run pretty well here. Like, and if, if they do keep Zach Moss from going anywhere, then, uh, you know, we just saw last week what happens with the Pittman offense, like 14 targets, 60 yards, something like that. So it's definitely on the table here. Definitely expect Brian Dable to outcoach them. So uh, I'll go with the Giants pretty safely. Yeah, Indianapolis is uh, they're they're in tough shape. I mean that the Foles game was it's not like I was expecting much, but oh yeah, he was bad the last time we saw him, and I was like, what, like four years ago or something? <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. We'll always have the Super Bowl run. Can't take that away from him, but we'll always like, have um him uh what, what was it uh twenty seven touchdowns, two interceptions under Chip Kelly. Yes. That was epic. It actually kind of was, yeah. but It was uh, actually epic. I'm being unironic this time. Yeah, uh, 2013, I think that was. And then they uh, they blew it against the Saints in the playoffs that year, if I remember correctly. Um, good, good times. Yes, simpler. Simpler, if nothing else. Um, but um, on the Giants' side, I do want to get your thoughts. Um, any pass catchers that you feel comfortable starting this week? Uh, someone could, uh, a couple of them could do well. I have trouble thinking it through because it's tough for me. Uh, it's tough for me to think through like the zone coverage approach that the Colts take. And I can't, the the matchups are kind of like obscured in my head and I have trouble picturing things, but if the Colts leave something, you know, underneath and toward the sideline, I definitely think Isaiah Hodgins can keep producing there. I think he could be a guy who's surprisingly tough to stop in single coverage, especially if he's against a corner who's not particularly big. Uh, I think Codgins is, is he, I don't know what you'd compare him to. It's it's like a, he's a little too slow, but he's he's pretty, he's definitely big. I think he's like 6'4", 200, uh, a little skinny, I guess, but he, he's, he's quick for how, especially how tall he is, and he's got good jumps, and he was really productive at Oregon State, so... Yep. Uh, I think he can keep winning that way. You worry about him more so like what happens when the defense rolls coverage his way. If you put like a safety over him and that corner gets really aggressive in the underneath and and doesn't pay for it, you know, in any way, especially because of the safety help, Hodgins probably can't win there. But so long as he keeps getting single coverage, I I think he can keep winning. And once the field gets smaller, once you're in the red zone, he's more dangerous there because his lack of speed doesn't matter as much. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I like Hodgins. I'm not saying like him and Slayton is good enough to be a one-two, but 
if they added another uh, really good, you know, solid receiver, a solid 1,000 snap receiver, those three might be kind of good enough, uh, at least in a Saquon Barkley offense. Yeah, and, you know, we'll get Wandale back next year. Right, Wandale, yeah. So, they, yeah, they probably uh, they probably got to do better than one of Hodgins or Slayton in that scenario, but it's it's a lot better than what they've had, and, and uh, Hodgins is, is a player who can give them something at least. Uh, Slayton, obviously, he needs the big play. He needs uh, He's going to have a low catch rate pretty much always, but uh, he, he also creates separation and, and pulls the safeties back. So, yeah, I think they're a pretty good group, and, and in this case – before Wandale gets back, Richie James has also done a good job this year, so he he could also do well in this matchup. It's kind of like we got we don't know where the Colts are going to roll their coverages, and it's up to the Giants to spot it when it happens, and and whoever it is that's supposed to run there needs to step up. Exactly, but I think all told, I think that this is a good looking spot for the Giants. Um, speaking of Saints versus Eagles, we have a 2022 edition of it. Uh, being played Sunday in Philly. We got the Eagles checking in as five-point favorites against the Saints. The Saints obviously played in like impossible conditions last week in in, uh, in Cleveland and still came away with the win. So that's pretty embarrassing for Cleveland. Uh, does it mean anything for, for this week going into Philly without Jalen Hurts uh, on the Eagles' side? Well, the Eagles got to take it seriously, of course, but – I just think they will, and as long as they do, it shouldn't really be that harrowing of an experience for them. I mean, the closest it should ever get is if if um, what's, actually what's uh is Olave back? I guess I should try to. I think he might have might practiced be. Wednesday. Okay, um, let's see. So, and they're showing it as okay. So limited hamstring. Yep, limited participant on Wednesday. Um, I still I still like the Eagles to win. I guess I'm trying to think through what I think about the spread, uh, six and a half, six, whatever it is. Um, I, I feel I feel like the best way for the for the Saints to compete against the Eagles is a way that would actually undermine Olave, uh, which is to say I think they should have Taysom Hill play a lot and handle the ball a lot at quarterback because. Not to say it's easy to run on the Eagles defense, especially since Davis got back and they already had Joseph and, and Sue giving them some solid reinforcements there. But I just don't think they're going to be able to move the ball at all against those outside corners. Um, even if Olave does what he usually does. And he's, it's insane how good he's been. And it's it's going to go un, uh, overlooked, not unnoticed, but overlooked be, just because of how few snaps the Saints offense plays like there's there's so many games this year where Olave plays like 35 snaps and people look at the box score and they're like, oh, seven targets, five catches for, you know, 70 yards and seven targets. It's not that interesting. Like most teams run quite literally twice as many snaps as the Saints often do in games. So if in other words, you look at Olave's numbers now, you see uh, what is it, like 100 targets on 500 snaps. You're like, oh, 100 targets. That's only like whatever, uh, 20th in the league or something. He's getting targeted every five snaps. If he played a thousand snaps, he'd project for two hundred targets, and that's insane. And he's doing—he's super efficient with production too. It's crazy, but um, I just don't think Andy Dalton at quarterback, Slay as the assignments at corner. I don't think Olave can carry them. It's like they're better off going to the ground, trying to sit on the ball with a Taysom Hill run-heavy game, just like they did last week, 
and hope that you can get Minshew to turn it over a couple times and then just keep away the ball. Because if you need to actually shoot it out, you're losing. Yeah, with, with regards to Olave, we often talk about like the the pie that, that an offense has. Um, yeah. And the, the, theirs is more of like a tartlet. I don't think it even like qualifies yeah, as a we're, full We're one. talking like uh, fun size Reese's or something. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's not much. No. So he, he's done great with those limited opportunities. But again, the, the Eagles are just kind of a wagon at, the, at this point. I, I, I think the Saints, uh, they're, you know, they're tough. Like you said, that the, uh, the Eagles need to take them seriously. But provided that they do, Eagles have been nails at home this Eagles year. Eagles are tough, too. Yeah. I mean, they're not soft or anything. So no. And we, we got to see, you know, Minshew, you know, help lead them to 34 points last week. It wasn't all him, of course, but and they should have um, won. Dallas was lucky to beat them. Yes. So I, I feel like the Eagles get it back this week and they do it by more than five points. Let's go on over Panthers bucks. This might be my favorite underdog of the week. I love the Panthers in this spot. Maybe I'm crazy, but I really like them here. Yeah. It's tough for me to think through. I mean, I, I don't think it's the greatest idea to approach the Buccaneers defense, the way the Panthers have approached every other team they've played lately. Uh, Vita Vey should be in. Uh, I don't know how long. It was Werfs back last week. It looks like he's playing this week, whatever the case. Uh, Jamel Dean. So I think uh, the Buccaneers win in a you know low-scoring game. I just – I worry about what, you know, what we get here rather than, you know, 15 carries for each of Deontay Foreman and Chuba Hubbard and each of them going over 100 yards or whatever – like you're going to see like eight carries for 20 yards for Foreman and like six carries for 25 yards for Hubbard and uh, Darnold's 25 passes kind of going nowhere. Uh, Cause I think Jamel Dean is a, about as tough of a matchup as a guy like Terrace Marshall can see uh, DJ Moore can beat him. And it uh, looks like Carlton Davis might not play. We'll see about his shoulder issue, but if, as long as they haven't, as long as the Buccaneers have Jamel Dean and Antoine Winfield, that, that's a pretty tough combo. And Vita Vey and company are going to make it tough for the Panthers to run at all, like they've gotten accustomed to. So, uh, I don't want to say the Buccaneers. I don't. I don't like want to pick the Buccaneers to win, but I think at the very least they're going to stop the Carolina offense from running the way it has the past few weeks, and especially the way it did last week. I'm just. I'm going to run kind of blind faith counter to it and just think that this Bucks team, they know they're, they're not, not good. They know they're not going anywhere uh, that, you know, they've had the, the fortuitous uh, comeback wins against the saints and now the Cardinals. Uh, they, I think they've been pretty bad against the spread at, at home this year, bad against the spread in general. And yet they still kind of get treatment as if they're a very good team. I, I, I like the mojo that Carolina has going on right now. So I'm, I'm going to go ahead and r- ride with the Panthers, but fully knowing that uh, I could be way off. Uh, yeah, I think it, all they need is like, I don't know, 20 points. I just am skeptical that either team gets there. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Um, got a bit of a funny question here. What is the worst defense you could possibly start this week? Probably the Bears. Yeah, as much as uh, as much as we've been bashing the Broncos, it's probably not their defense that's quite the worst. Um, 
I'm just I'm just trying to run quickly through these to make sure I maybe like I the think. Rams or the the Raiders. I think it's the Bears. Yeah, Bears. Either them or like the Titans. I guess I don't know. Yeah, yeah, a lot of a lot of big spreads uh, for for this week. But yeah, the, the Broncos aren't the, the defense isn't why they they are such uh, colossal underdogs. Um, let's grab a quick message from our friends over at Monkey Knife Fight. Football is officially back on Monkey Knife Fight with all the NFL action you're looking for. And if college football is more your speed, they've got plenty of that too. On Monkey Knife Fight, there's no sharks, no salary caps, and no math. It's just easy to play, easy to win, daily fantasy player props. Join now at monkeyknifefight.com and you'll get your first game for free. Then use promo code RWNFL to get your first deposit matched instantly up to $100. So what are you waiting for? Join Monkey Knife Fight today. And again, that promo code R-W-N-F-L. All right. We continue onward here. Uh, we got Browns Commanders. Browns anywhere between two and a half to one and a half point underdogs on the road going to Washington. Both these teams obviously coming off tough ones uh, last Saturday. Uh, your thoughts here? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's – it's. Uh... It's a, it's a weird situation, a weird matchup for for both teams, I guess. But it's it's like which one has more loser energy? I can't even tell. Um, Washington, big loser energy. Browns, uh, substantial loser energy, and also maybe like a bit of a curse. Uh, I don't know. It's 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 tough to sift through. But yeah, Washington going to Carson Wentz is such uh, just just you know. Class A loser stuff. I, I love it. Really appreciate them being who they are. Uh, it's not good for the players on the team, though. And uh, I guess we'll see. Uh, the, the Browns' run defense has been pretty bad all year. And the, the, the Washington really likes to watch Brian Robinson go uh, very slowly, uh, not very far many times, but the Browns run defense is so bad. And I guess to be fair, it's a little bit beat up. I mean, I don't know if it matters. They're so bad to start with. Um, and there seems to be some kind of issue with Kevin Stefanski and Miles Garrett. I don't know if that matters at all. Um, uh, I got to go with the Browns just because I don't know. I'm, I'm in my head. I'm kind of getting this reduced to uh, like Nick Chubb versus Brian Robinson. And it's just like comical to ask me that question, you know? True. Very true. I'm on the Browns as well. I think this was a stupid move by Washington to to go away from Heineke and it's embarrassing and they they deserve to lose. They're such they're such losers. Just uh I mean if you're gonna do that, let's see what Sam Howell's got or something. Well, right. And it's like why didn't you have the the like it's not even like an issue of like judgment or or foresight. It's like a fortitude issue. It's, it's like it's it feels like, in a way, it's it's like a hand. The other thing that irritates me is like a hand washing kind of thing. It strikes me as cowardly, almost like they're just they're formally declaring like we lost because of Heineke. Like we're 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 making it feels to me like the motivation for switching to to Wentz is not so much to try to win more games. Even it's more like we want to take this opportunity to formally wash our hands of these losses and say it's this guy's fault, not ours. You can't blame us if we miss the playoffs. Like that's, I think what this is about, because like even an idiot like Ron Rivera or Scott Turner can't possibly believe Carson Wentz is the solution or else they already would have made him starter three weeks ago. 
So, I mean, Heineke, like, I didn't even think he played that badly in, in a really tough spot in San Francisco last week. At, you know, maybe the game well, against... The receivers uh, had good numbers in that game. Yes. It was the run game that killed them, and they stuck with it. So, yes, Boy, it's exactly... Thing. It is just scapegoating. And, and Ron, I, I don't know, I'm sick of this. I'm, I'm sick of these guys. All right, but enough of that game in that, in that case. Uh, Gio wants to know... Son Haskins or Zach Moss this week, PPR? I'd have to go Moss. I just I don't trust Haskins to get more snaps than Julius Chestnut is the other thing. It, it's right. just uh it's a it's just a bad situation there. Yeah. And with the Colts, but Moss at least can be like a fifteen carry kind of guy. Exactly. So I, I would go Moss there as well. Don't don't get overly or you know, too excited about Haskins just because Derrick Henry is out Thursday. Uh, let's get on to the afternoon window Sunday. So we got Niners Raiders, Niners nine and a half point favorites against Jared Stidham and company. Yeah, I was just saying, you know, the stuff with the Washington coaches is embarrassing. Uh, stuff with Denver's, of course, been very embarrassing all year. Josh McDaniel and Cliff Kingsbury, so embarrassing. Josh McDaniels is just. This is so cringe and and whack as hell. I just I barely can, can even like believe it's happening. Like I know there's there's maybe the angle to justify is like well they don't want Derek Carr to get hurt. You if if you're trying to move Derek Carr this offseason, then why not just stick with him through the end of the year? Why not why not even try to like maybe get a couple good games out of him so that people still have like the idea. Derek Carr is pretty good, fresh in their minds. It's like they're they're like putting they're putting him down on the lineup in at this point of time when his value is lowest. None of the the failures of this team have anything to do with him. It just stinks from every angle to me, and it's and more importantly the the thing that I of course am fixating on is this is Josh McDaniels being a little weenie. Like this is just him being a coward and a scoundrel, and. Any any person in the position of, you know, Mark Davis, I guess it must be, whoever it is with the Raiders who's at the button that gives McDaniels this authority to do this is also a weenie. And, like, they're, they're going to have to clean house about this. Like, Josh Jacobs is leaving. Devontae Adams would be crazy to not try to get another trade. And right. What are they going to do anyway? They're not going to get, like, three first-round picks for Carr. They might get – like they're they're gonna have to compete with the team that tries to they're they're gonna maybe be trying to trade Carr to a team that the Packers are also trying to trade Rodgers to, and the team is probably gonna prefer Rodgers, especially because Rodgers might even be cheaper at forty years old. So, the Raiders are just gonna kind of like get rid of their best players and not get any good ones back to protect a coach who's a verified loser. It's it, it just you can't write away for them to handle it worse. They're gonna get what they're asking for. They're going to get clobbered in this game. It's going to be ugly. We're, this is happening so much now. It's almost There's got to be some systemic explanation, some material explanation for why these these really tense situations of team failure keep occurring where like the coaches just are at war with their own players. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, there's been tons of cases of it this year, and McDaniels really stands out pretty impressively. Um, yeah. Almost like we – who could have seen this coming after his first run uh, as a head coach? 
I am shocked. I, I felt I thought like they're going to run a lot of passes. They're not going to win many games, but it won't be a big deal. And it's like, no, it's just it's it's just about it, he's doing worse than he did in Denver. How is that possible? It's it's actually insane. I, I can't believe it either. So, yeah, the Niners are a buzzsaw, wood chipper, any other sort of uh, destruction based piece of industrial equipment. And uh, yeah, that that's not going to be a soft landing for, for, for old Jared Stidham. Jared Stidham's gonna, Oh, Oh boy. Hey, welcome back, Jared. Have fun with this one. Yeah. And someone, someone like tweeted out a, a good picture of Stidham. Just like, look, uh, you know, this was like a candid picture of him, like looking into the sun or something, just looking really like concerned is like, that's what, you know, um, Darius Slayton has a catch percentage of something like 56% with Daniel Jones in his career. He caught something like 44% of his targets from Stidham at Auburn. So uh, that maybe Stidham is the solution. He's only a lot worse than Daniel Jones, but it might be enough. <laughs> that is a great pull uh, right, right there, uh, linking uh, the, the Stidham-Slayton era uh, over there on the Plains. Uh, People thought Slayton was bad because of that guy. Let's, uh, you know what? Let's, uh, let's blame Gus. Oh, Gus Malzahn for that one. They lost to Duke in a football game yesterday, so we can blame Gus too. Yeah, he yeah. sucks. Yes. Um. All right. We got Jets Seahawks out in Seattle. Uh, Jets one and a half point favorites. Uh, in that one on the road, they're gonna get Mike White back. Uh, the Seahawks are reeling right now, man. Do they, do they get off the deck here at all? I don't know. I mean, I could see the Jets offense really struggling here. Garrett Wilson can probably lose these corners and uh, Mike White, I'm sure, can get him the ball in these underneath routes anyway. But uh, I'm not expecting the Jets to move the ball on the ground at all. And just categorically, when you're talking like the prospect of Mike White starting, no run game help. It's like that's that's all that's already like a pretty concerning uh, set of givens, I think. And um, the Jets defense, of course, is doing a really good job. They could uh, be the explanation of how you know you get from Mike White starting with no run game to winning on the road against a uh, previously playoff looking kind of team. And um, yeah, I am a little concerned. I, and Pete Carroll, I think, is kind of well suited to games like this if you you don't really want to be in low scoring games with him and so so it's it's at once kind of concerning for the Seattle offense to imagine it going against the Jets defense and also maybe it maybe it just doesn't amount, it shouldn't amount to as much concern as for the Jets offense uh or like the Jets cumulatively against the Seahawks cumulatively I don't know how to think it through but um I, I feel like I mentioned all year how Geno Smith uh, through like 10, 11 games anyway, kind of didn't have a bad game and including a couple of games where I, I thought he might, he didn't. And then he had three bad games in a row. So at once I kind of think like those kinds of numbers were headed his way. And also I don't think they necessarily need to be, I think it's definitely a mistake for people to look at Geno Smith's recent numbers and, and say, oh, this is who he really was all along. It's more like, this is what, he was likely to have this is what he was likely to go through at some point soon or else he would be like a top five quarterback so this is he needed a stretch like this for anyone to argue that he's not like a top 10 quarterback which is you know we, we all would agree he probably isn't that even if he's some version of good enough so um in any case 
I don't I don't think I think the people who are like, oh, Gino sucks and he's been exposed like that. That's wrong. And if that's informing the market, I guess I'd like to short that position, certainly. And uh, I don't know. It's like Gardner probably can remove DK Metcalf if they line up Metcalf against them, but they don't need to. They can just put Metcalf on five foot nine DJ Reed. I feel like if you keep the Jets under 20 points, you get the win here. I, I, I guess I just it's it, what I'm struggling with is like Mike White versus a not great Seahawks defense. Like what what happens there? And I, I can't really think it through. They're having a mid off. Um, so they are. Um, I'm on the Jets uh, here. I, th- I think that they they pull it off. They're like five and two against the spread on the road this year. They are favorites on the road, which I'm sure is, you know, there, there haven't been too many examples of that this season, but it's a small number. I just, Seattle, the way they've been playing over the last month or so is is very concerning to me. And I, I think the Jets, you know, it's they seem to r- rally around though. Mike White. I mean, it, it the Carolina game is properly concerning, but I mean, I, got, I would have figured we'd, we'd assume that the Seahawks would get wrecked by the 49ers and especially at Arrowhead, so... I don't know. I think I think the the Jets are more like an AFC analog of what the the Seahawks are in the NFC. It's like a team they can beat a lot of teams, aren't going to go very far in the playoffs, and we all know it. But um, you know, they, they should lose against teams as good as as uh, the Chiefs, uh, just because they yeah they they were only like wild card fringe to start with. Right, right. They were they were way up there, um, and then uh, it's come crashing down. But like you said, the the schedule can kind of. Um, be, be tough like it has been for, for Seattle these last few weeks. Good point there. Uh, Kevin wants to know, this is a league with six points for passing touchdowns. Burrow or Fields? Man, that is tough. Um, crap. I don't know, man. Uh, I think I kind of want to go with Fields, but it's not because I want to go away from Burrow. It's just that the Bills defense is good. It it might be one of like the you know five best in the league. And uh I could see Burrow Oh man. John, do you have any opinion here? I I, I just I, I, I have I am maybe a little higher on fields than I should be and certainly a little too low on Burrow, but I just worry about that uh, Bills defense being so much better than the Lions one. I I think Burrow so, like the way that he's playing right now, um, he's he's a scary individual, and like he's going to get up for this game. Uh, I know the Bills have a good defense. the 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 real you know kind of wrinkle here is is the fact that it's a six point for passing touchdown. So yeah. I I think I think that steers me towards Burrow, but I I don't think there's a wrong answer here, but you know, there, there could be one that's extremely right as opposed to just merely pretty right. Yeah. I mean, for what it's worth fields only threw 20 passes the last game against the lions. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe, maybe go with burrow because he should throw it like at least 35 times. And uh, yeah, I, I see fields having like, two total touchdowns and I could see Burrow with, with uh, three passing touchdowns and yeah, a ton it, more yards. One, one last way to put it, I guess it's like, this could go wrong for fields if he doesn't have a hundred yards rushing or more. And it's like, at once you would say, Hey, really good chance. He does that really good chance, but still it's probably not as likely that he does that against any particular opponent as it is for Burrow to throw three touchdowns. 
against any particular opponent. So, yeah, hopefully it's just one of those good problems to have. But I, I guess the six-point detail might make it a, a little bit better for Burrow. I don't know. Yeah, that, that's where I'm at with it as well. Um, but, you know, again, I think both are, are going to perform very nice. I think both of them are ranked in the top five uh, at Rotowire for, for this week. Uh, Kay wants to know, uh, he needs a flex replacement for, for uh, one Tony Pollard. Would you go Michael Pittman, Isaiah Hodgins, Haskins, or Chuba? Uh, I go Pittman. Okay. Targets aplenty. Um, so, yeah, that, I think that makes sense. And then uh, is Pollard a drop now uh, with, with the idea in mind being that, you know, he's not playing Thursday, probably not going to see a whole lot of time next week if you need a spot. Well, it, it's if you have to drop him, it would really be ideal if you could wait till Tuesday or whatever, because if the Eagles lose this week, can't Dallas still get the title if they win if, if mm. like they basically need the Eagles to lose the next two weeks, but they if they do, then Dallas can win the division. I think. I think you're right. So, like the Eagles probably win, yes. But if if the Eagles lose to the Saints, Pollard might be playing a lot the week after. Okay. All right. So so hold off for the time being uh, on dropping one Tony Pollard. Let's get on up to Lambo. Packers, Vikings, Packers, three-point favorites in this one. Um, so Vikings, incredible record, but no one seems to believe in them. And uh, I think that that's mostly pretty fair. Um, that I, I literally can't believe the the one-score uh, one game luck. And they have all these wins, and yeah. I think like 11 of the 12 have come by one score or less. That's insane. I like I like the Packers here. I agree with them being favored at the very least. Yeah, and actually, I also like the chances of the Packers to take that seventh seed from Washington. In which case, if they do, they'd probably play Minnesota in the wild card round. So uh, the Vikings, in a weird way, might even have like a little bit of not an incentive to hold back. But if it starts to go south for them early, they might kind of retreat from the rest of the game. I mean, that's it's wild to think about, but we got the, you know, the extra long season now, 18 games, a lot, lot of like game theory to, to be played. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I, I think that the Packers can come on out. I mean, played well uh, last week. They weren't overly impressive against the Rams the previous Monday night, but, um, you know, they're, they're playing well right now. I think that they win and they cover um, from a fantasy angle. We, we talked about Christian Watson. Uh, earlier in the program, uh, what are your thoughts on the Packers' backfield in this setup? Uh, is Aaron Jones dealing with something? I can't remember. Um, Likely. Right. Uh, knee slash ankle practicing, though. Hmm. Well, Jones could certainly be the explanation of how it could turn south quickly for the Vikings, but the prospect of him getting extended usage in this game – I mean, it's it's on the table, but I, I think if there's if there's like uh, if there's 25 carries that the Packers have to give out, then I think I like AJ Dillon's chances of getting kind of like the last 15 or something like or 15 of those 25, something like that. And um, I don't know, some amount of success. It's just tough to it's tough to 
It's like you're down to, to like big play and touchdown dependency to figure either of Jones or Dylan to have like a really, you know, memorably useful game. And it's so much harder to imagine either of those with Dylan, in my opinion, just because, you know, Jones is a touchdown machine. It's like he's always been a touchdown machine. So uh, maybe a better setup than most weeks for Dylan, but it's still as long as Jones is playing, it's tough for Dylan to be more than like 60 percent of what he could be. The the uh, the potential for the in-game retreat from the Vikings makes me think that this that would might help. be a decent setup for, for Dylan in the sense it's like you just want to tenderize your opponent into oblivion and what better way than to use and Dylan. save Jones. I mean, if, if, if they don't, if, if they thought Dylan could do in a given play, what Jones can do, they would use Dylan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I guess the, the production bears that out. Jones definitely better, but Dylan offers something that, that I think makes other teams you uncomfortable. You can take more hits. It's like yeah. You don't want to give Jones 20 carries, but if there's 20 carries that need to be taken, it's like Dylan, you would maybe on that basis give it to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, uh, looking good uh, for the pack in that spot. Um, let's get to Rams, Chargers, Rams, six and a half point dogs on the road, technically, uh, in their home stadium against – uh, the Chargers. Uh, oof, what are we looking at here? Uh, the Chargers could blow it, man. Yes, they, they, I think they so really too. Gotta stay sharp here. Um, I'm. It's just I'm so pessimistic for so many for, for like a lot of different angles with both teams. I, I I'm a big fan of Herbert. I think Herbert is blameless for anything that goes wrong with the Chargers, and I think he is the only reason they ever have a prayer most weeks. So the difference between him and uh, Mayfield on a talent basis is, of course, substantial. But McVay, for for some pretty substantial faults otherwise, is still one of the best play callers. And like his, his feel for like calling a game is undeniably good. And he seems to be a, a better quarterback's coach than most or something. Beyond that, he is, of course, awful at absolutely everything uh, that there is for a coach to handle. I mean, his specifically the personnel management, the, the saga with Cam Akers, like it's not as, it's not as malicious as Denver and Albert Equigwinum, but it has to be at least as stupid. I mean, my God, they first, they take this guy in the second round over JK Dobbins among other, you know, worthwhile prospects. Then within about a uh, two year span, Sean McVay decides for about six weeks that Cam Akers is just intolerable or not good enough or something to some effect that they're going to scratch him and play Daryl Henderson ahead of him. Daryl Henderson, who would get cut in season later for being basically fat. And the Jaguars cut him for being out of shape and uh, not playing along in pass blocking drills in practice. So, Sean McVay, in his judgment, from where he could stand and the best as he could tell, the guy that the Jaguars would cut for being overweight and not willing to practice would be preferable to Cam Akers, who then they tried to trade and failed to trade. Now he is a worthwhile centerpiece of their offense again in uh, at Christmas. Like that's that 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 should not be a chain of events that occurs. Like the person in charge of all of that needs to make sure they never let that happen again. Like that's unbelievable that McVay's entire perspective on managing personnel 
is a liability to the point that he cannot be allowed to do it anymore. He will wreck this. This team will not get to another Super Bowl despite him having like maybe the best play calling sensibilities in the entire league. Like they won't get there if he has this kind of discretion over the personnel. It's it's just unbelievable. But now that they're letting Cam Akers actually play again instead of litigating whatever ridiculous petty beef he could have had with him in the first place, like oh yeah he's. Pretty good volume back, you know. He's not a star or whatever, but it's like you know, give him 20 carries, he'll start to get somewhere eventually. Give him 20 carries against the Chargers. Give almost anybody 20 carries against the Chargers, they're almost definitely going somewhere. So the the Rams should be able to move the ball. Uh, Baker Mayfield is is play, like last week he played pretty well, best I've seen him play in years. I feel like actually, and um, the Chargers are of course capable of blowing it against pretty much anybody. They still have some playoff seating on the line, too, I feel like. I mean, I know um, I saw somebody asking about what if they uh, – Rest of that Yeah, and I don't know if that actually – so they're the sixth – they're projected for the sixth seed right now. Miami might lose that seventh seed to, uh, I don't know, somebody. But right now they're, the Chargers are projected to play the Bengals, which I would think they would much prefer to playing the Chiefs. Uh, which is what would be at stake if they lose a spot in the standings, and I'm pretty sure they still can. So this is a game with, where the where I think that the the Chargers actually have a lot to worry about. Yes, I mean they absolutely do. I think the Rams can play spoiler. I really do. Um, yeah, they're they're much much better play calling in the game. You know, they're going to go in with the worst roster, but they will manage the game better from that point. Yeah, um, that they, they kind of. I don't know that they, they're flatlined. I mean, obviously this is the worst title defense in NFL history, basically, but since they added Baker, things have been, you know, inter- I mean, did you think it, at any point that the Rams would hang 50 points this season, especially after Stafford w- went out? Like, no, absolutely not. So especially no. not against Denver's defense. So um, I don't know. The, the Rams are a lively uh, team right now. I did not expect to, to be feeling that way about them after, uh, the start to their season. But yeah, the, I think in this setup, I just don't trust the Chargers with that many points. No, I don't. I don't trust them to win the game either. I I wouldn't necessarily uh, either. Let's. All right. We got two more. Uh, we got the two night games. All right. Lay it on me, Mario. Ravens two and a half point favorites against the Steelers. How bad is this going to go? Sorry, I should have checked. Is Lamar Jackson supposed to play for this one? Still wasn't um, practicing as of Wednesday, so I'm, I'm okay. highly doubtful. Yeah, um, I don't know what there is to really say. I mean, uh, Ravens defense, I guess, can show up from time to time and against Kenny Pickett. I, it's certainly like their chances of overachieving a little, but I don't think the Ravens can move the ball reliably. Certainly not you know, through the air. I guess you no. know, Dobbins keeps playing well. Uh, certainly love Dobbins if he's healthy. And like I, like I said, the, the whole reason the Cam Akers pick was ever wrong to me for the Rams was because Dobbins specifically was there. Uh, I think Dobbins can be like a top five, top eight kind of running back when he's fully healthy. So uh, if his knee keeps playing ball, then, I mean, it's 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 going to be him that I think gets them the win along with the defense. But I don't think it's going to be like a decisive victory or anything. No, it never is in, in these games. Uh, Gus Edwards looked about as good as he has also yeah, I love Gus. well last week. Yeah. So. That's the, a, that's the Ravens' path right now. Like as long as Lamar Jackson's out, they need the run game to be stellar. And you know, Dobbins, you know, crushed the the Steelers the first time out. And Gus Edwards again starting to look better, uh, looking more like himself. So those two alone, I think, can kind of carry this offense. 
What I will say is last time out uh, when these two teams played, you know, Pickett goes, goes down with a concussion and Trubisky turns it over three times. And the Steelers also got a field goal blocked that they, they really had no business uh, losing that game, but, but for the turnovers. So I, I think if the turnovers dry up um, or the takeaways dry up for Baltimore and it's more of a straight up game, I think that, you know, they they could definitely lose this one. I will say, I think Pickett is still due for some harsh regression. I think the teams are going to eventually notice he kind of has like two beats and then he runs and he's been having a lot of success all year as a runner because I think teams are still defending like a third beat in a progression and eventually they're going to realize it's not there. And eventually Pickett's going to have about, you know, a quarter of a second less per drop back than he gets used to. And it's going to take him a while to adjust. Uh, He specifically is due for some fumbles. Well, all right. Um, We'll be on the lookout uh, for for that particular detail because I I tend to agree that that Pickett, it's going to come back to to earth a little bit. Not that it's like skyrocketed or anything, but uh, final, final thought on this game. Uh, Ravens. Uh, I'll take the Ravens to cover, but only because a field goal will do it. Yep. It, that's exactly right. We, we have a total in this game of 35. So not a lot of points, but we do get the cherry on top this week. One of the best regular season matchups that you could draw up. And you know, the, the Monday night football gods have been cruel to ESPN for some of the games they've had to air this year. This makes up for a lot, though. We got we got Bengals Bills in Cincy, lot on the line here. Uh, Bengals uh, one and a half point home underdogs to the Bills. Bills obviously took care of business last week. The the Bengals had a you know real sloppy end of that game against the Patriots. Kind of needed some good fortune to to you know prevent a late touchdown type of collapse, but I. I'm on the Bengals here. I feel like they are playing uh, other than the chiefs. I think that they are playing at the second best level in in the AFC right now. I put them slightly ahead of the bills. Uh, Maybe that's foolish, but I I just think Burrow is that dude. I think he's that dialed in and I don't know the the bills. I, I don't know what to make of them. I don't know if they like peaked too early or something, but um, I think the Bengals are playing a better brand of ball uh, at this particular juncture. Um, and especially as home underdogs, I, I like the Bengals. Yeah, it'll be interesting because Buffalo currently has the first seed. And they want to keep that. Uh, the Chiefs, though, have a pushover opponent this week, and I believe will take the lead in the event that the Bills lose. So the Bills are going to play with full urgency. It's like the you might still say like the Bengals maybe have a little more reason to care, but the Bills will put everything that they have into it. I I kind of lean your way with picking the Bengals. I don't really want to have to make that call, obviously, with you know two offenses that can score so quickly. But um, oh, I, I think um, I'm actually most interested in the under in this game because I think both of these defenses might be a little better than people think. And uh, or everybody knows the Bills' defense is good. It's it's more like, I guess, I think people might still be underrated, the Cincinnati defense. Um, they're tough against the run, it seems like, as long as they have DJ Reader. And against the pass, like, yeah, especially when you're talking, like, four wide, you worry about their cornerback personnel. But their defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, has done a good job. The safeties play well, give the corners some help. 
Um, I assume Logan Wilson sometimes does like a little bit of a Fred Warner kind of thing for him. I, I haven't watched closely enough to know, but they got solid players at all levels who, when you, when you talk about the scheme as good as Lou and Rumo is called, they, they tend to kind of like cover for each other. And then when the pass rush particularly is going, uh, which, you know, Hendrickson can really get going, especially, I think, I think you're going to see Joseph Osai pop up more and more too. He, he was really young when they drafted him and he got hurt last year, but he's insanely athletic and he was very productive at Texas. So we might see him start flashing more and more. Um, if that Bengals pass rush gets going at all, I could see Allen struggling quite a bit. And uh, part of that might be because of the elbow. I, I still don't know what to make there, but if, you know, if, if it's involved at all, you don't like that uh, for a guy who's, who's so like torque specific as a thrower. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I, I got to lean the Bengals, but it's not because I really expect them to like win uh, a sprint here. I think it might be kind of, I think there might be multiple turnovers on both sides, some kind of like up and downs over the course of the game. And, uh, yeah, those kinds of games certainly suit Burrow. I mean, he's, he's kind of like turn, both of these quarterbacks are kind of like turnover prone by design. Uh, they always like bank on aggression later in the game, making up for it, aggression and explosiveness, making up for it. Uh, but, uh, being in Cincinnati, uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe having the better, better run game in the case of Cincinnati too. I think, I think they can win this game. I don't know. I'd, I'd probably have to pick them. I'm on that as well. Uh, Bills are obviously a great team. Maybe this will this will be a preview of a, of a rematch uh, down the road here. But for now, I'm taking the Bengals. I feel pretty pretty decent about it. They've been, yeah, they're. I just cannot doubt them at, at this point. They are. They're something else. Best team against the spread this year, twelve and three. That's the most important thing. The most important single detail. It's, it's how the brain works up here now. Um, but yeah, uh, so that's going to do it for us here on the Roadwire Face Football Podcast. Again, uh, brought to you by our friends over at No House Advantage. From our Puig, I'm John McKechnie. Thanks for listening and best of luck in your fantasy football championships if you're playing this weekend. Try Roadwire today, free for 10 days. Get our premium tools, rankings, analysis, and breaking news alerts. No credit card required. Go to rotowire.com forward slash try. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.